It's a nice little look. Oh man, that looked delicious. Yeah, yeah, that is a good yeah. look. The nose. Okay. The nose is good. I mean, it's it's hoppy, but you can get the tangerine. Let me. Sunny D in the brew. Mm. You you like IPAs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll fuck with this. <laughs> That's good. Hey, new team. I, I know what my man likes. He fucks with IPA. That's a, that's classic right there. I'm chopping what'd that you, up for the clip. What'd you say? <laughs> I said new T-shirt alert. That's <laughs> oh. good. Oh, that is a dope name. Dope T-shirt tag. Yeah, <laughs> 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 right. I mean, whatever it is, you'll fuck with it. <laughs> I think we got the episode title too. Hey, man. F with that. Right. Hops and Stocks podcast is presented by 100 Spoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. I'm Spoke affiliated from the city of Jim. Welcome back to the Hops and Stocks podcast brought to you by 100 Spoke Media Group. This is episode 74. We want to welcome special guest, Vernon Evans. Uh, What's up, Vernon? What's going on, everybody? Glad to be here. Man, yeah. good seeing you, man. For good sure. to see y'all, too, man. I miss those, uh, those battles. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to FNL, man. Man, that was, a, that was a good time, a good period of time, man. Classic nights, man. Yeah. How's everybody's week going, man? Man. All good, good, man. This weather is bipolar, you know. Yeah, it done got a little chilly bone in Nashville. It was 23 this morning. I was like, Ooh. hey, man, this is more confirmation that I need to keep going further south. Hey, man, it was this meme that said, uh, it said something like spring, fight back, bitch. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> 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 we still, what, a, a week, officially, a, what, a week away from spring? Yeah. Yeah, it's still yeah. winter. Okay, I can dig it. Yeah. Man, That's funny. <laughs> to go ahead and kick it off into this beer review, man. I'm going to slide it to, man, you ain't even to my visual left. Mr. B-Dub, what you got in your can, brother? Where am I at? Man, you like <laughs> down and left. Well, let's, <laughs> <Can you see? laughs> well, let's talk about it. <laughs> this one is um, Gnome Gang. See little gnomes on there? Mm -hmm. It's a Belgium style uh blonde ale. It's from uh Cooperstown, New York. Um off the um topic we had last week with E going to New York and his visit. Um figured I'd get one from New York. This is a um 9.5 Belgian style. All right, poured him up. Shout out to Chicago. Hope we do something in the draft. All the moves we made. Kind of kind of salty to see uh, Montgomery go, but you know. No, I, I didn't know that Montgomery's gone. He's 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 now with the Lions. Oh damn! So, he did yeah. us like that. Only thing worse than that is go to Green Bay, but you know it is what it is. But yeah, bear down and all that. But yeah, Belgium style smells. It smells fruity. Belgium style wood. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I would get it. <laughs> Off top, it's, it's smooth, but it, it's got a little, for some reason, got a little spice to it. If you like Stella 
this will probably be right up your alley. Um, I was thinking that it's almost like a um, a blue moon, mm. um, but it's not almost that similar to that. Um, you would think um, you see the uh, the little orange in the um, in the blue moon, but that's not a traditional garnish for a uh, Belgium style ale. So everybody likes to put those little oranges in their little in their yeah. drink when you drink a a Belgium style drink, but that's not even a tradition when you're drinking these. Not bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. That's a three something. <laughs> nah, it's it's a solid. It's a solid four. Um, no, hey man, four is the new three three something, man. I, man, I kept telling y'all, man, it's not a bad beer. I just ain't had a Belgium in a while. Um, usually on some stouts, I get this a solid four. I mean, it's 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 light. It's a pack of punch is coming in at nine point five. Jeez, so it's got a little wallop to it. Um. It's not bad beer. Man, can I start questioning our integrity, man? What? With these, with these, I, like I told y'all, man, me Blast just said it, man. Like the four is the new 375, man. Now listen here. Listen here, man. Nah, man. I, I'm <laughs> right here, right now, I vote that we go new grade and skill, trash or not trash, man. Play okay. So we, <laughs> we, I'll be the first to go to that scale. This is. This is trash, then. <laughs> now we get the truth. You know what I'm no, saying? It, it, there's no middle ground. If it's either fire or not fire, this is trash. <laughs> there has to be some middle ground. E- even though I like it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, Cooperstown. Y'all probably know what this is known for. Baseball Hall of Fame. Abner Doubleday. Um, so, ease new grading scale. This nomi, this nomi gang is trash. <laughs> Dang, man. Oh, man. I'm like, all right, we're going to lose a lot of potential sponsors. Like, yeah. it's, it's really not, though. It's really like a four and a quarter, but according to E, it's trash. <laughs> so four and a quarter, nomi gang series, Cooperstown, New York, trash. <laughs> what you got there, Blast? All right, man. I'm going to keep it going with the uh, coconut. Phantom Unicorn. It is a barrel-aged Imperial Stout. That's two weeks in a row for me. I got to switch things up here. Uh, ALC 13.3. Barrel-aged Imperial Stout with coconut, vanilla, cocoa nibs, and lactose from Pipeworks Brewing. Let's see. About to tear your stomach to pieces. No, that's not Pipeworks. Pipeworks is Chi-Town. Chi-Town. What am I thinking down in the nutty that sounds like that? <clears throat> oh, grain works. Okay. Mm. I don't think y'all like grain works, right? No, nah, man. <laughs> Google. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad establishment, too, man. It was kind of <laughs> it was it was bad. It was bad barnyard decor, man. Right. The infrastructure was bad. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. Y'all, y'all probably didn't feel comfortable in there. Y'all was probably only bros. It seemed like the only thing on the menu was like corn dogs or some shit. Corn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think I got to give this a four. Last, <laughs> you know, you know what the scale is now, man. <laughs> well, let, let me let me see. Uh, you you're getting a little bit of the coconut. Um, there's some toasted. Toasted notes up in here. I don't know if that. I guess that would be coffee. Um, it's not really listed as one of the notes on on the uh, can. I don't know, man. It's just a hype. 
It's trash. How long you had it open? Since seven, at least. I learned my lesson from last week, so I'm definitely not. It's a little bit weaker than the one from last week, too, but it it's not so jig forward as what last week's was. What's the ABV? 13.3. Oh. That's why I, th- I thought it would be jig heavy at 13.3. I'm shocked. Well, I mean, last week you said, you know, leave them joints open for like 45 minutes. So I cracked it at seven. Um, so it's definitely more well blended, at least off the top, than that one I had last week. Um, I, I think I'm going to go 375, man. <laughs> Just okay. 3-7 trash. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. See, he, uh, you have a legit trash. Mine is, <laughs> mine is sports trash. Man, three seven five is not trash, man. Man, that's the that's the cop the bailout, man. Three seven five. Well, no, no, man. I, I, this is a decent brew. If you're in the decent brews, <laughs> 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 if you like something a little better than decent, then you know this might not be for you. I can dig it. I'm gonna send it to Tolls though, man. All right. Hey, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, man. Welcome back. Good to have you back. I've been messing with these tangerines, man. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, who makes that? My infrastructure is different now. It's called <laughs> Equilibrium. Oh, I'm yeah, in, yeah. Out of New York. It's a, uh, I rock with that. Oh, you do? Okay. Tangerine Peel Laboratory. It's a uh, triple IPA with tangerines. It's a uh, 10.5. 10.2 AOC. Damn. You got that down there in Natty? Yeah. Um, I went to the, man, first trip to the Honey Hole in a long time. Shout out to Courtney. She helped me out this time. And Courtney and some other little cat she was with, he he wanted a shout out. She said she listens all the time. She said they'll they'll put the uh, podcast on in the back and they'll just work and listen to us. Uh, so no, that's what's shout, out, shout out to Courtney. It's a nice little look. Oh, man, that looked delicious. Yeah, yeah, that is a good yeah. look. That's the nose. Okay. The nose is good. I mean, it's it's hoppy, but you can get the tangerine. Let me. Sunny D in a brew. Mm. You you like IPAs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll fuck with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, new I, mean, I know what my man likes. He fucks with IPAs. <laughs> That's a, that's classic right there. I'm chopping what'd that you, up for the clip. What'd you say? <laughs> I said new T-shirt alert. <laughs> oh. That's good. Oh, that is a dope name. Dope T-shirt tag. Yeah, <laughs> 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 right. I mean, whatever it is, you'll fuck with it. <laughs> I think we got the episode title too. <laughs> hey man, f with that. Right. This is not trash. If if this if that's a <laughs> non-trash beer right here. What's it? What's it on the one to five? <laughs> We're not supposed to do that, man. I'm not gonna give a number if nobody else gave a number. <laughs> man, I, I gave oh, they, a number. They, they did. Oh, you they, gave a number? Yeah. yeah. Last said three seven five, and Dub said four and a quarter. Four two five. I mean, ten percent. I'm. I take all the variables into account. Tangerine. I'm getting ten point eight percent. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get where I want to be. Man. And it's uh. Might have to ride by and get one of those. It's an IPA, which I really don't. I, you know, some, sometimes I think they're a little too too hoppy, too bitter. This is good, man. I forgot. This was um, um 
IBUs are 20, 26. Yeah, I don't know my IBUs. They have to be low. They have to be low. This is an easy drink, man. I, I would give this uh, 4.75 if not the five. Woo. Woo. How much How much for the single? Um, Like, I think $4. $4. That ain't bad at all. Shit, it's already got my belly kind of warm. I mean, you know what I mean? I ain't been drinking a whole lot. Yummy. <laughs> This damn pipe works cost me 10. Jeez. Damn. Mm. Yep, 10 for decent. And it's trash. <laughs> <Ten for> decent. <laughs> no, man. It's it's decent. 10 for decent. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's up to you if you think 10 is a good value for decent. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> hey, man. If I go in spending 10 for one, it better be like, you know. It better be a class. It better get me high. It better, I, I better be high. Yeah, high, it, high. It, it better do something very supposed to get you high. Right. Yeah, it, should, it should do something else. $2 for one. Jeez. Uh, hey, man. I, I I recommend it. Good job, Equilibrium. This is my first Equilibrium beer, tangerine, peel, laboratory. Yeah, I'm a, they, they do IPAs well. Um, it's probably one of my favorite breweries when it comes to IPAs. I see why. Yeah. For the record, man, this wasn't trash, man. So shout out to no <laughs> shout out to uh Omi Gang, man. Y'all wasn't trash. Right. Omi Gang. I'm gonna round out the reviews without doing a review. Um I don't like this can. I don't like anything in it. <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say about it. What is it? I mean Well, it's called uh wheezing in the juice. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a different type of can though. Yeah, well, like, I, I, I was like Hawaiian Punch or something. Yeah, yeah Hawaiian Punch. Man, man, what's them little pops? The red, white, and pop? I was thinking it was gonna be like that when I picked it up. I ain't even pay attention to the really the the notes, but it's a fruit of sour with vanilla, tangerine, blood orange, and lactose. Um, it's just an okay brew. Thumbs down though. <laughs> like how how far thumbs down? Like what are we look we looking at here? Three and a half. Yeah, we be three and a half on that one. Mm. You can go low if you want to. No, I definitely wouldn't buy it again. It's 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 just okay. It don't do nothing for me. Um, I don't even know who it's by. Who's it by? Mirror Twin Brewing Company out of. Uh, I don't even know where they out of. That's why they trash. They don't even tell you. <laughs> what is. Oh, actually, they got a. It's out of Lexington. Oh, okay. Kentucky on there. Hey, why? Yeah. No shout out to Mirror Twin Brewing Company. No shout out. Wow, you're shouting them out. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we're gonna brothers, uh, man. introduce our uh our special our special guest, uh Vernon Evans the second. Yeah. Vern <laughs> is an attorney, entrepreneur, and now published author. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> pop the book. Uh, a couple of days ago, got here, ordered through Amazon. Truth or Transparency, I read this joint this morning. Real quick read. It's a children's book, so I read it in about like 20 minutes, man. Um, so it was tough to understand for you? Man, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, with, my, with my Patterson education, man, you know, <laughs> literacy ain't my strong suit. You know what I'm saying? But I know Vern said this is loosely based, or is it? Is it based upon, you know what I'm saying, how you grew up? Uh. First man, you gotta uh, you gotta rate. Is it trash or not trash, baby? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's definitely not trash, man. Um, hey, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, this, it's not, it, yeah, it, loosely based. It's loose. I mean, 
the, the, the main guy's name is, is Marcus. You know what I'm saying? He's a single mother. I had a single mom. It's me and my sister. But a lot of the stories, the, the, the most, I guess, uh, the most uh, heartfelt part of the part that people feel the most, but the kid was crying, waiting for his dad out front all day. That happened, but a lot of the other stuff is loosely based. Like my uh, one of my best friends growing up, his dad was my father down the street. You know what I mean? He, he used to take a whole bunch of kids to play ball, to show us things and, and give us good advice. And even growing up, we went from, you know, hanging out, playing video games with the son to, you know, drinking and chilling out in the yard. So he was definitely my father down the street, but a lot of the stuff was my imagination in the, in the book, except the, you know what I mean? That one part that was the kid was waiting for his dad to pick him up in front of the, Running the crib all day and he never came. Yeah, when I was reading it this morning, I was like, "Man, this this is honestly." And once again, I I, I wouldn't shit you, man. Like if it, if it was trash, I would tell you. No, I you know you would. That's why I asked. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would have trash. But I think it's it's really relatable, and it's I mean, unfortunately, it's it's a, a, a accurate, almost an accurate picture of, of our community. You know what I'm saying? But before we hop all the way deep into the book. Let's back up a little bit. And can, allow you read you to, can you read the force real quick? Nah. <laughs> allow, you <to laughs> properly, allow you to properly introduce yourself and, you know what I'm saying, give some of your background and, you know what I'm saying, how you got to the point of, you know what I'm saying, writing writing a, a children's book. All right. Uh, as you said, my name is Bernie Nevins, a personal injury attorney barred in California and Nevada. Uh, mom's from, I'm from San Diego, California. Uh my mom grew up in the worst part, uh, Southeast San Diego, a lot of gangs, uh, drugs, things like that. And a lot of our families into that type thing. And so my mom moved from uh, Southeast San Diego early on to uh, Oceanside, which still has gangs and, and drugs, but not nearly as bad and didn't have that deep family influence. You know what I mean? And so she moved me and my sister uh at, you know, father wasn't in, around. I think he left my mom when I was like in kindergarten or first grade, something like that. Uh, grew up well, though. My mom was a hard worker, um, gave us a good life. You know, at 17, I went to Ohio State. Uh, fucked that all off. You know, Mike Wiley's my cousin. I was hanging out <laughs> with him all summer, uh, kicking it, going to the red zone, 17, kicking it with grown women, grown folks. And wasn't ready for school when school started, you know what I mean? And so my mom was mad. I think my second semester, I had another, I mean, yeah, second quarter, excuse me, had another round of bad grades. She called me, I'm drinking, smoking, uh, and she just yelling at me. And I was like, well, don't pay for it. She said, I ain't pay for you to go to school to be messing up. I said, well, don't pay. She's like, what? I said, don't pay. She's like, all right, you have a good night. Man, oh, that's some tough talk, man. Yeah, yeah, real tough. I, I uh, kind of was drunk. Hey, you was really drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine saying that to my dad. Like, well, don't pay then. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, she was, she was right. I was BSing. That's probably the reason why I was drinking and smoking that night. I understand I was messing up the opportunity that I was given, uh, and I knew I could do better. But then, you know, she she was also starting to know me too, probably the drunkness. You know, I was drinking something that probably wasn't trash. <laughs> and, I don't know, man. At, you know, at 17, you might have been drinking some trash. It was off that hypnotic or something. 
It could have been. It could have been. Uh, well, you know, first first quarter I did bad. I was hanging with Mike, and he was like, "Oh man." Everybody called him. My mom, his mom called him. Nobody called me. So he was like, man, you got to go to the dorms. Like, that was some type of punishment. You know what I'm saying? So I was telling this family <laughs> off. It works the second semester than I did the first. But I stayed a little while in Ohio State and then uh, came back to California. The whole family was mad at me because I squandered the opportunity. I was like, I'm going to show them. You know what I'm saying? I worked all summer. Like, I'm going to go back and go to school. And my cousin was drafted by Cowboys then, so he was gone, but I was still hanging out. I went and moved back with Mark Peeves, hanging with Bob and everybody. Never got back <laughs> into school. Shout <laughs> out to Bob, man. Bob bad. made the podcast. <laughs> Bob, 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 man, that's my, my man. That's like a big brother, man. Him and Mark P. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, shout out to Mark P, too, here. man. Yeah, that's man. I love Mark P. Love him to death. Uh, so I went back to California, I'm fast forward, you know, and then like 2003, 2004, this is 99 when I went to Ohio State, 2003, 2004, um, I got into a little situation with the police. I think I ended up trying to sell some cats, some ecstasy pills. He didn't know it. He was wired for sound, you know what I mean, with the police. And I found out a year later I had a warrant for my arrest. Uh, of course, I didn't turn myself in. <laughs> uh, but uh, after that, I got into a car accident not too long after that. And, of course, my warrant came up, so I went to jail. Um, tried to call my mom from jail, and I have an uncle who, from 15 to 27, he was in, in prison for something crazy and then going to jail his whole life. So my mom, she put a block on her phone. So we couldn't even answer the phone for a collect call. So I tried to call my mom. There was a block on the phone. Of course, I called my sister. And, you know, my sister, you know, texted my mom. They got me out. Like two weeks later, I go to answer the phone, and it's a, a collect call. I mean, from jail. And I was like, damn, we don't even accept collect calls. And I hang up. I mean, we don't accept calls from prison. And then I was like, wait a minute. How did that even get through? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, my mom must took the block off the phone because she thought I was going to call her from jail or prison. And that broke my heart. I asked her about it a little later, and she was like, yeah, that's why I took the block off the phone. And so I really had to sit down like, man, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Your mom I said, I took the block off the phone because she think you're about to call her from prison. And I kind of put myself on time out, like grounded myself. People thought I moved. I was really just in the house thinking, reading books. I started doing Muay Thai kickboxing. And for anybody <laughs> that did anything like that, you know, that's some hellacious work. And I was reading about all these people like Patrice Lumumba, uh, Mohandas Gandhi, mm-hmm. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, people that really turned their situation from where it was to something greater. And I was like, man, I can do anything I want to do as long as I work hard enough. So I decided to go back to school, go to law school, things like that. So I'm enrolled in the community college, did really well there, transferred to UC Berkeley, um, finished Berkeley with a 3.5 GPA from the two years I did there, applied to the top 20 law schools. Of course, I went to Ohio hey, State. 
three five. Three five is not trash, man. That's a good. No, GP. no, not trash. Not trash. <laughs> man, I'm like you talking about like Aaron Rodgers, Cal Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, UC Damn. Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's an impressive three five. That's that's yeah. not trash. <laughs> and it was a upper level, so it was all writing papers, and that terrified me. That's nice. Yeah, thank you, appreciate it. And uh, I left out that I, I went to Texas. I stayed with my cousin for a little bit and went to community college out there. It didn't do well. So I had to send all my transcripts to all these law schools, not just the all A's I did for community college, but the trash of those state and the almost are pretty much trash in Texas. And so all those top 20 schools said, you're trash. You know, But I applied to uh, Thomas Jefferson, which was a tier four school in San Diego, and I got accepted. Did really well my first year and transferred to University of San Diego, uh, which was a uh, top 50 or top 60 school. Graduated from there. And, you know, I started working at a pretty big firm at, down there. And fast forward a little bit, you know, I moved out to uh, Las Vegas with the wife, took another bar and got into personal injury. Uh, but I was when I was in San Diego before I moved to Vegas, I was talking to my nephew and same situation with the uh, what was in the book. He was talking about his father who wasn't a, just entitled only, you know what I'm saying, wasn't really around. And he was telling me about how his dad was calling, saying he's going to pick him up, never even up for him, things like that. And I told him that I was a lot like my childhood. And I was starting to think, I was like, man, that's too many kids' childhood, you know? And so I started uh, thinking about writing a book. That's my nephew. I was like, hey, man, let's write this book together. He's 16 now. So he was like 13, 14 then, because I wrote it a couple of years ago. Just got it edited. And he was kind of BSing. So I wrote it on my own, but didn't do anything about it. Uh, but recently I decided, you know, uh, I think last year I decided to get with a, uh, a editor or illustrator, excuse me, and she went ahead and I thought did some amazing pictures. And so I recently put it out. It's been out since like February 20, 26th or 27th or something. Um, and so far it's been amazing, man. One of my one of my good friends, is, he bought like 10 copies and his daughter was reading one. She gave me a video review, told me how amazing it was. And that that touched me to my soul. You know, and I was like, you know what, I'm about to write another book. So I already <laughs> finished another book called Not All Not All Superheroes Wear Capes, and it's mainly about single mothers. That's dope. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. And and it was funny because as soon as the week it came out here in Nevada, it was Nevada Reading Week. And my wife's cousin works in one of the schools, elementary schools, and I asked her if I could go read it uh, for a couple kids. Uh and I thought I was going to read it for one class, but they was like, yeah, we got five classes you can read. Uh, two fourth grade classes, one third grade, and then two kindergartners. I don't know why they had me reading some kindergartners. Those kids <laughs> didn't care anything about it. It was trash <laughs> all of them, you know what I mean? Um, but the dopest thing about that whole situation was they gave all the, the readers uh, a student that would take them around because the school was like a maze. And we'll, it was a fifth grader, very impressive young man named Kingston. Kingston, And when I was walking in between, he was like, you know, I'm not adopted, but my parents 
uh, we're fighting a lot and my dad's in jail. And so I live with my aunt and uncle and the story is really relatable to me. And I was just talking to him in between all these classes that I was going to. And I thought that was uh, the best part because I had to talk to him a lot. And he's a impressive young man. He was a president of that elementary. He was in four different sports and had some dreams and aspirations. And I was just telling him, you know, anything he can do. First, I said he has, his parents love him, you know what I mean? And and he was very lucky to have an aunt and uncle that love him as well, not a strong family. And so it, I thought that was that was real cool, man. It touched me to, uh, that he found it relatable to a couple kids, not in kindergarten, told me they liked the book and they wanted to, uh, uh, they wanted to buy it, so I sent them a link, and I, and I just thought it was cool, man, because that's what I wanted, man. I really want uh, children, men, uh, boys and girls to know that uh, even though they're missing that positive role model in their home, they can find it outside of the home and still do and be great. Yeah. And so, so I thought that was cool that Kingston uh, liked my story, man. That really touched me to my heart. That's it. That's a very, I mean, it's an inspirational story you got there. Right? Man, um, yeah. So growing up in San Diego and Oceanside, like what, did you have any plan? Like what brought you to, to Columbus? Was it, was it Mike? It was Mike. It was all Mike, man. Cause like my mom had uh, married uh, my stepdad before, before they got married, he was real cool. But after they got married and he was younger than my mom, um, so I don't know if he thought he had to be stern or something. So we used to start bumping heads as soon as they got married. And I didn't like the person my mom was really turning into around me. So I applied to all out-of-state schools. I was either going to Grambling or Ohio State or some other LSU. And when I got into Ohio State, which was late, I got in Ohio State after I graduated. I was just hanging with my boys smoking and went to check the mail and saw two letters from Ohio State. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going to O-State. You know what I'm saying? Because Mike was like my, my big brother, father figure, all that hero growing up. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to O-State. Y'all went to the same high school? Uh, for a minute. So because my mom and my, my stepdad's from Cleveland, my parents were going to move to Cleveland. I was like, yeah, I'm not moving to Cleveland. And so <laughs> and his mom for the summer going into my freshman year. So me and Mike are three years apart. So he was a senior and I was uh, uh, going into my freshman year. And so I first thing they do, they know Mike Wiley's cousin. They're like, man, put him at running back. I'm a, I am got Osgood Slider. I don't know if you know what that is. I got bad knees, I'm overweight. I'm like, man, they put him there. Like, yeah, move him to linebacker or tight end, man. <laughs> he ain't got it. He ain't got it. But yeah, so I went there for for all summer and I stayed with him for a little bit once school started. And then I was going to visit my parents uh, shortly before they went to Cleveland. And it was so crazy, they didn't want to go. Uh, and it turned out that they actually decided not to move to Cleveland. And when I got there, it's all, oh, you're moving back here. You know, we ain't moving to Cleveland. So they tricked me into coming back. Um, but of course it was where I grew up at. So it, it was all love to go there. I moved it. It was El Camino High School. I'm not sure if you remember who Brian Westbrook was. Right. Played football at Texas and the Detroit Lions back in the day. Michael Booker played for the Falcons. So the school was a really good football school, too. Um, but again, I still had Osgood Slaughter and was a little overweight. So uh, <laughs> football wasn't, wasn't my forte. 
So man, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Now I was just gonna say, was was law school the the end game? Like, did you know you always wanted to go that route? Yeah, early on it was funny, man. I was uh, big in the Johnny Cocker, man. All things Johnny Cocker, and I loved it. And when I knew he was an attorney, I was like, I want to be an attorney. I thought law school was college. I I thought you go to high school and go to law school. But I was like, yeah, I go to college and then go to another school. And I didn't have nobody steering. I didn't have my father down the street to tell me I was tripping. So I kind of let go of that dream early. But when I was sitting sitting down thinking about, because uh, I was soul searching, man. After my mom took that block off the phone, that hurt me to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I was really soul searching. And I was like, what do I want to do? I don't want to just run into something that I can't put my all into because I know fail. And when it came up, it was like, I think I was reading the Johnny Cochran book and and it was like, man, you want to go to law school. And I was like, I did want to go to law school. So that that was a kind of an end-all uh, dream. It was, I wanted to do a lot of civil rights work and do criminal law, but I couldn't, in law school, I couldn't get no opportunities from the city or from defense attorneys. But I got, I worked, did an internship with Sony, did an internship with this uh, defense law firm. And I saw how personal injury dudes was, uh, financially successful and I was like yeah I'm I want to do that yeah, yeah. hey he, let me hop in real quick uh because I he, he touched on it a second time Vern I, I just want you to kind of expand on that moment when you realize your mom took the block off the phone because it seems like that was such an important crossroads in your life and it kind of propels you to you know change things around so if you could just kind of expand on that a little bit before we move yeah, forward man. Yeah, definitely, man. So, because uh, you, you caught that too, like some somebody might not catch that. Yeah. Like, why is the block off the phone? But you 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 caught it and thought about it and realized yeah, it was you. Uh, just a week or two earlier, I tried to <laughs> try to get a call to go through, and <laughs> it didn't. And I was like, "Damn! Oh yeah, we got a block on the phone, and we always have blocks on our phone." Because again, my mom's little brother when he was fifteen. He, he in in gangs in uh, San Diego and got caught up in something. He was in prison from 15 to like 27, 28. And then every couple of years after that, he's in prison now. Um, but we, we always had blocks on our phone. So uh, we couldn't, the call couldn't get through. And and I think my sister, some of her boyfriends, you know what I'm saying, tried to call the crib. And, and I just know you ain't getting, getting through. Uh, you call my mom's house. From jail, you know what I mean? And so, crazy enough, first thing you do is call your mama. So I tried to call her from jail. And, of course, it said a call can't go through. So I called my sister. But that was a touching moment, man, because even when I was telling the story, I probably was telling somebody a story like this less than a year ago, and I almost cried, man, just because it was it choked me up. And I didn't even let my mom get in the house. I saw her car come up. And I just went and opened the door for her, and I was like, hey, did you take the block off the phone because you thought I might call you from jail again? And she looked at me in my eyes and said, yeah. And I was like, and you will never have to call. Uh, uh, I'll never call you from jail again. And I wish that was true, but because shortly later, my dumb ass got a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> Almost ruined the whole shit, man. Uh, <laughs> Tell you that story too if you want to hear, but um, but yeah, so I when she told me that again, like I said, man, at that time I think I was either working 
are looking for a job because I remember I, I was checking out books from the library, you know, from the library, turned in or uh, rechecked out quickly. And I was reading, I was devouring books. And then after I think I got it, uh, I, I trying to come out, but then they was like, man, you need to return this book. So I started buying it from Amazon and I came out of the house really for six months besides if I was, unless I was going to work or doing something, uh, required me to leave the house, but hang out with people in the neighborhood, smoking weed, stuff like that. I wasn't doing it. Um, people that I saw like, man, we thought you moved. I was like, I kind of did, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and besides kickboxing and whatever else I was doing, I changed, I completely changed, man. And and it, it, it was all I too, bro, because once I got, um, what? Once I finished the program, I wanted, I knew I wanted to go to school, but I had to work. And my mom, it was funny because people thought, oh, you live with your mom, you can save some money. I was like, nah, my mom, she, she getting paid some money. I think I paid like 300 bucks a month. Um, and afford to get with a friend, but I knew most of the kid, cats I hung around, they were irresponsible. So we probably get an apartment together, and in a month or two, they ain't going to be able to make rent. So I stayed home. and But I knew, it was coming along, hey, mom, I'm going to go to school, because my track record was trash. You know, I already, she already waited the money at all day. I just got arrested. She wasn't fooling me like that. I think she found some weed in the house when I was trying to sell something for a short period of time. So she didn't think I was taking things serious. Um and so luckily, by the grace of God, I found a job that was working with a crazy schedule. Um, and I was able to work and go to school. And I, I really found some comfort in that busy schedule and, and, and really thrived working full time, going to school. I'd work every Saturday because I would leave work early to go to one class and come back, finish up and then go back to school and and did really well. Like I said, I had all A's uh, for the first year and a half. And then that's when a friend of mine called me to meet him in Carlsbad. Uh, that's area right by Oceanside. It was for my birthday. It's all man come. I was like, man, pick me up. I already been drinking. You know what I'm saying? It's my birthday. I'm born on 4th of July. So I think I was watching some rampage UFC smoking with my neighbors and drinking. It's all like, oh, man, we already here. Just come on. So I'm driving, banging sugar free. Carlsbad's all white neighborhood. <laughs> you and said banging sugar free? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you my bitch. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm pulling into the club, and the police pull me over as I'm pulling in. And one of the cops, racist, one's cool. He told me he pulled me over because I was listening to my music. I had like a 2006 Ford Fusion with no speakers, so I wasn't bumping by no means. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a decent factory stereo, but no, no bump. Uh, but yeah, so he pulled me over and they asked me, uh, what did he ask me? He said he smelled alcohol and wanted to do a test. And and I thought I did well. Even my dumb ass, he asked. I was like, hey, how am I doing? <laughs> he, he said, said I hey, thought I did well. You know how you're doing? I know how I'm doing. I'm killing this shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt good until I had to do that breathalyzer. You know, and I was like, oh, okay. I think I was still like right at or I think I blew like a point oh eight or right above the limit. And and you know, they, they took me in. But the cop, he was uh, 
not the racist one that take no sugar free, but the other one, he was like, hey, even we'll cooperative, so I'm gonna give you a choice. I can tow the car. I was like, damn, that's my first choice. He said, or I can park it and you can pick it up tomorrow. I said, like, oh, please park it. And he was like, if somebody breaks in, we're not responsible. And I was like, cool. And at first I was looking at that wrong. I was like, man, that racist cop, blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was God saving me because I was already drinking and smoking. I would have went in there and drank and smoked a lot more and drove home. So I'm thinking God intervened, saved me yet again. And so I, I was grateful for that. You know what I mean? And then when I got out the next day, when everybody that was getting out was at red towing, they kept saying, your car is the tow yard. The tow yard. The lady wasn't even looking up. And she said, your car is at the scene. She was confused. Like, why is your car at the scene? <laughs> so, okay, the cop didn't tow it. So, um, yeah, I just want to throw that that part in, man. But my so mom, she missed the you break? That's what I put in the back of my book. Oh, I'm sorry? Did the uh, racist cop give you a break, or was it the other cop? <laughs> no, it was the other cop. The racist cop, he was the one talking about the, the pull me over for what I was listening to. It wasn't even for your driving. It was what you were listening to. I mean, it wasn't even that loud. I was like, I don't like sugar-free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was still in a good mood talking shit, because I didn't think I was drunk. Um, and I know I wasn't driving crazy, um, but again, I just look at it as a blessing, and at the end of the day, because I know how I used to get, get faded, back out, do something stupid. And next thing you know, I probably drove home and hurt myself with somebody else. So I just had to take that as a blessing. Uh, but I was scared because, uh, you know, I had to go to court and I was, I was like, oh, wait, I was just about to get off probation for this. It was like a, the next month. Like, I, the, the judgment, so with the pills, I had to do some drug program and hit a deferred entry of judgment, meaning if I stay out of trouble, it's like it never happened. And so when I went to jail for the DUI, the judge didn't count it as a violation. So I'm walking around like I'm Tupac coming out of court, I got him one something, right? And the clerk at the office at the courthouse, she was like, I don't know why you're so happy. You still got to go see Judge Woofy Woop. And uh, and he's the one that really determined what's going on. So she knocked the cool out of my watch. So I was scared for about a month. And that's why I was scrambling. I was like, hmm, what can I do? So I was trying to talk to teachers to give me character letters. And one teacher who was like, I thought was super cool, I kept asking for a character letter, but I wouldn't tell her what it was for. I was like, could you write me a character letter, just the right type of person I am in your class? She was like, yeah, but who's it to? I was like, oh, I just need a character letter. And for like two weeks, she... I was like, man, it's getting close to the deadline. She keep asking. And I what happened. I got a DUI. I need to write it. And this cool teacher was like mortified and wouldn't write the letter. So I asked a different, my English teacher, who was a square, real nice lady. But it was she was reading all these black books, like by Toni Morrison, I think The Bluest Eye Ever, and a couple other books. And so I went and talked to her. I said, hey, Miss Hanson, would you, would you mind writing me a character letter? And she was like, sure, what's it for? And I told her, she's like, okay, I can do that. So she wrote me the letter. So I took that character letter and my grades, which I have a year and a half of all A's. I show up to court and it's a packed, it's a packed calendar. There's like 10 names on it. I'm the only person there. It's the judge, the bailiff, the prosecutor, the public defender, and me. The judge <laughs> calls two or three names. 
and nobody says anything. I'm looking around. I don't know why I'm looking around because nobody's there, but I'm looking <laughs> around anyway, like, where is everybody? And then a cop, I mean, just said, hey, what's your name? I said, Vernon Evans. So he looked at his paper and then he t- talked to the public defender. I don't know her name, but he said, Sue, uh, would you talk to uh, Mr. Vernon Evans? He said, Sue, what are you about to do right now? She said, I'm going back to the office. My client never showed up. And she's like, would you do me a favor? Would you talk to Vernon Evans? Because he doesn't have an attorney, but he needs one. So she was like, sure. So we go outside. The judge is mad. He goes to his chambers. And I'm talking to her. She's like, so the judge counts this as a violation. You get taken into custody. I I didn't even know that was an option. You know what I'm saying? I I was like, okay. I said, well, would this help? And I handed her my grades and the character letter. And she looked at my grade. She didn't even open the character letter. She's like, wow, all A's? So this will definitely help. So she goes, talks to the prosecutor. And I walk back in. And, and then I hear the prosecutor says, wow, all A's? And then the public defender was like, yeah, it'd be a shame to mess this up. So they says, I agree. So they both go in the back. I hear them laughing, talking to the judge. And then the public defender, she comes out first. And she's like this. Everybody's behind you, so I'm I'm happy. Like that's got to be a good sign. And she was like, "Yeah, the judge was impressed uh, with your grades as long as you get all A's to their program. They're not gonna count as a violation." And he comes out and says the same thing. And so, funny enough, in the statistics class, I had an eighty nine point four. I was like, "Teacher, I need you to make this an A." <laughs> uh, but he kept it at a B. And of course. It- wasn't tripping and luckily he didn't count as a violation and I get to, I went off to Berkeley on like an academic scholarship. Man. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, I was scary, man. From that, I, I was scared straight, man. I didn't need to go to no prison and get have no buff dudes yelling in my face. <laughs> I needed my mama taking that block off the phone and that talk by the judge when he said he doesn't have an attorney, but he needs one. So, <laughs> Sometimes you got to take that block off your life, man, so you can succeed in life, man. It's a great yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to do that ever since, man. Since then, I feel like I've been on a, a monumental rise. So I'm, I'm just blessed, man. And lately, I just had a baby. So my daughter yeah, is turning one next next month, and my wife is seven and a half months pregnant. So I'm about to have two under two. Hey, man. Cheers to that. Hey, you ain't gonna get no sleep, bro. Man. Hey man, I don't get no sleep now. I wake up at two forty-five every morning. Oh damn! Yeah. Um. So I met Vern back at Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? Probably. You know, either I don't know if Bob and him was still on Chittenden. I think they had already moved to Highland and whatnot. And uh, like I said, man, you know we've always been friends on like social media. So like when you left Ohio. And you know, say just following your your journey, like I was shocked when you start posting like the law school stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, man, because I, I I know the history. I, I know the day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? A kicking them and 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 just hanging out. And so I want to say I'm proud of you, man. I mean, you know, what I'm saying the 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 180 that you've done and the transition that you've made to you know, what I'm saying a successful entrepreneur, attorney, and now author. You know, what I'm saying like like I'm impressed. Uh, Thank you. Like I said, man, I I remember them days at Old State where we would just be just kicking them at Woody's, you know what I'm saying, hanging out on the porch yeah. and 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 you know what I'm saying, just doing whatever. Um, but you know what I'm saying, we've always stayed connected with, you know, what I'm saying, either the fitness, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. And then uh 
few years back when I came out to 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 Vegas, we hung out. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, man, it hey, man, your boy blew my brains out, man. And we cast had some <laughs> THC 30%. I was supposed to leave. I was like, man, ain't no way in hell. I'm about to jump in no car right now. I can't even see. Oh, let me <laughs> more. Man. Yeah, but like I said, man, you you you've come a long way, man, and you definitely are a testament to. Yeah, I mean, there, there's whatever you put your mind to, you you can accomplish it. Man. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, One sure. of your brothers is a, a big reason for that, man. Your boy CP. Uh, that's why I gave him acknowledgement and a shout out in my at the opening credits, man. Because when I part of the these uh, when I went to Berkeley, they had this UCDC program, meaning you get to fly to DC, work for somebody and go to school, live in DuPont Circle. And when I went out there, I was studying for the LSAT and I was doing it on my own because I couldn't afford a class. And the LSAT was up and I bombed it, bro. Like I went there, I did the, and for anybody that knows, it's like four or five sections, uh, reading comprehension, logic games or something else. First first section, I, 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 I don't answer like six questions. So all right, whatever. Let me let me do one more section and see what it do. That one was even worse than the first. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm canceling my score. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna take it again next year. And and I was talking to CP, and he's like, man, what's up with the LSAT, buddy? I was like, oh man, it was tough. So I, I'm canceling my score, and I'll probably just get on it next year uh, or next semester. He's like, nah, no, you're not. He said, man, you going to take your ass uh, on a, uh, sign up with Kaplan uh, and and learn and, and retake it this year. He said, man, it's just a hurdle that trying to keep a lot of people out. Man, you don't take it this year, i never take it. I was like, nah, man, I don't want to. He's a Vern. You're going to take that shit this year. Check me. I was like, I mean, D.C., I'm ready to get done. I just got there. I'm ready to kick it. Man, forget this test. I need some help. And he was like, nah, you about to do this right now. And I was like, all right. And everybody else I talked to, I talked to my cousin Mike. You know, nobody understood. And they was like, cool, my parents, cool. CP being an attorney, he, he knew what it was. And he probably talked to people that let that be the barrier. Most people I was in uh, uh, pre-law classes with, none of them are attorneys. None of them even took the LSAT. So I took the LSAT. I didn't do great on it, but I finished. And I got into a law school. So I, I had to thank CP for that. You really put me together. Yeah, I can, I can, um, I can testify to how hard that LSAT was, man. I, I took it myself. Um, so yeah, that, that is a hurdle. <laughs> that is a hurdle. It, it is. It, it, it was no joke, man. I <clears throat> bad. I think I got like a one thirty something because they had just switched up the games. They, the way I learned games was not the way they tested the games, but all the other stuff I did enough to finish. I was like, okay, as long as I got to finish, I'll take whatever score you got. So it was my bad grades and a little LSAT score. So that's another reason why the top 20 schools was like, trash. They're going to have to tell me, you know, say so I applied to Harvard, Berkeley, Yale, all of them. And they all was like, nope, nope, nope. And I didn't care. I knew I could do it. And I did really well my first year. I was on the road first, both semesters. And that was always my goal. I, I didn't want to graduate from Thomas Jefferson, one, because it was tier four. And two, I didn't want to be to a slaveholder, slaveholder, even if he was the president. So I was like, I'm getting out of here. And, and, 
and I did, and I'm and I'm, I'm happy to say that. So Jefferson, I, I, Jefferson was a great school. My wife went there. My wife's attorney too. She graduated from there. I told her to transfer to them. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, man. Um, you know, I, having a dad, you know, in my life personally, I felt, you know, that it was an advantage to have that figure in my life. And I think a lot of us can attest to having um, a dad in your life. But there's always times where you're disappointed. I remember times where, you know, I was waiting on the weekend for my pops to pick me up. And he'll be late. I'll be calling on my grandma's house or even just before cell phone. So you really can't get in touch with nobody. You have to just call where they may be. Yeah. Um, how do you plan to approach, you know, fatherhood with, you know, your 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 two uh, the oh, one that's on the way and yeah active. Active. I'm gonna be involved with everything, you know what I'm saying? Uh even now, like my wife be getting on me because uh, she's like she's when she's like six, seven months. Again, I get up at 245 every morning, so I'm down in the garage. I usually was at the gym, but once the baby came, I bought a whole bunch of stuff to have a gym in my garage. So I'm working out and I have the outlet app on. So I hear it, I run to it. Hear her crying, I run to her, feed her, get her back to sleep, and go back to do what I was doing. Um, but read to her every night. So, well, actually, I bathe in the morning and night now because my wife too big. But every night is it, I'm the bath time. I'm bathing her, feeding her, bathing her, putting her to bed, read her a story every night. Um, and, and I plan on doing that, you know, her whole life. I just want to be there, you know what I'm saying? Because I know presence. Is the greatest president you can give somebody, you know. Um, oh man, say that one more time, man. <laughs> yeah, that's another t-shirt alert. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bar. That's a bar. Yeah, man, it, it was crazy, man. Another thing, I'm gonna tell you a quick story about my mom. This is show you how many she is. So, me and my sister, we have different dads. My sister's the same age as Mike, uh, three and a half years older than me. And so, my uh, I used to call. Him, my biological, either her first husband or V. I don't, I don't believe in participation trophy, so I can't really call him my father. You know what I'm saying? I'd call him my biological, I guess. But my mom's so, so, so angelic that when he left my mom, he had a baby by another lady, and so my mom, because she knew the only way I would be able to see him, which I really want to see him was when my sister was watching his other child he had. So she used to let my sister babysit this other woman's child just so I can go see my my biological father. And I thought that was crazy. You know what I'm saying? When I think about it now, then I didn't even think much about it. But now I'm like, dang, you know, you hear all these stories about women being vindictive and mean right. and saying right. all this stuff. She never said anything mean about them. And I think she gave me a couple of gifts and said it was from him, and I know it wasn't. You know what I mean? And she was just a, a, a great woman. And, and so that's what also caused me to write the second book, Not All Superheroes Wear Capes, because I was like, man, I can't just, one, uh, give all the credit to uh, my father down the street. You know what I'm saying? My mom was really the real hero. You know what I'm saying? But I recognized that it takes a man to raise a man, you know, a real man, even though you, and, and so I wanted that story to be told because there's so many young boys that's lost following these, uh, making, you know, these neighborhood uh, superstars or whatever that 
the guys that didn't want to emulate. And so that's why I focused with that one. But then when I was thinking about it more, I was like, nah, I got to give some love to the single mothers and mothers in general because the things that they do that we don't recognize as kids is uh, very superhero-like. So that's what the title came from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nah, I, I plan on being active, bro. I want to I want to do it all, man. I'm trying to encourage them to try early, try often, and fail. Fail early and fail often because I want to be resilient. And I want them to know that failure is in the roadblock. It's just a time to sit down and sketch things out and figure things out. And I think I think your comment when you says when you say um, being present is important, man. I'm, I'm an educator, and when I'm going through student files and I'm looking at contacts, like if I if I need to contact home, there's so many times where you just don't see any contact for the father like it's blank <clears throat> yeah and i'm like man it's like it, I, I find that so crazy that it's just blank like it's no name and nine times out of ten that child is the one that's struggling the most with behavior with academics um because that balance is not there and it's and like you said that child will will find a role model, but it may not be the right role model. You know, they're going to find something to gravitate to. And so I, I pay special close attention to when I'm going through, you know, contact lists and I see that it's just a straight blank because that explains a lot about that child's behavior. It um, does. And, and on the on the flip side, when I, when I see two-parent households, when I see a dad contact, that child's behavior, you know, nine times out of ten is manageable. You know what I mean? Because they have that somebody else is going to get into them besides mom. You know, you kind of need you kind of need that that double up. Um, so you know, it's just it's a shame what happens with with parents. I mean, you don't know people's situation. You know, dad may be deceased, dad may be in jail, but the fact that I can just tell that the behavior based on not having that dad around is is very impactful. Yeah, so I, I commend man. I commend you I commend you acknowledging that and 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 trying to address th this issue that we have plaguing our community right now. Definitely a, a difference growing up, man. Because I grew up in all three phases. I had both my parents, and then one of my parents wasn't there. Then my dad remarried, so it was I had two parents, single parent, step parent, and it's it's almost like I was three different people. When my when my wow. parents was there, I was a lot happier. My mom passed. I've been depressed from then till now. Stepmom came in the picture. It's almost I started to rebel. So it's it's definitely a difference in the household and behavior when depending on what the structure is in the household. Because yeah. my my stepdad was a piece of shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't I don't I didn't realize he was a piece of shit until I got older. You know what I mean? So a lot of things you don't realize until you you've you've kind of experienced what your parents were going through and you were just watching. You were just watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that time when you watching, it's kind of like you start to live it like, man, he was a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, but luckily I had I had my dad to to balance that out, you know. Yeah, no, it's funny because I didn't uh when is this? Shortly, actually, right before I went to Berkeley, 
when MySpace was popping, I went to Berkeley like 2007. Right before then, I had MySpace and, you know, cute dark skinned girl sent me a message. I'm like, who's this sending me a message? And I look, and we got the same last name, Baron Evans. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Uh-oh. Uh, and she's like, hey, is your mom named Donna? And do you have an uncle named Duck in Orange or something like that? I got, oh, I almost said the N-word. <laughs> and um i was like uh yeah my mom's name is donna don't know about the the uncles then she's like we may be cousins and and it was i guess she's like oh your dad wanted me to try to find you on here and i found you and um so so she's like oh do you want to give him he wants uh your phone number he wants you to call him i was like me and you can talk uh i don't know if i want to talk to him and I was asking everybody, I asked my mom, my sister, I think I even asked my stepdad. No, no I didn't ask my stepdad uh, at that point. I asked him later, but everybody said, yeah, you should talk to him. And I was like, I don't want to talk to him. I was gonna, I was somebody to tell me no. And I got one homeboy, same homeboy came to get me to get those pills. Uh, not the, he's not the one wearing a wire. That, he didn't know anything about that, but uh, I was like, he's a hater. He'll definitely tell me don't call him. So I hit him up. He calls me and we're chilling. I was like, hey, man, I tell him the story about uh, Farron contacting me. And he's like, you know what, dog? I don't think you should call him. And I just bust up laughing because I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> the funny thing was that made me call him. Like, he is a hater. So I'm saying maybe I should call him. As soon as I did, the first thing he said was, I've been looking for you since Ohio State. I almost wanted to hang up on him. I was like, Ohio State? I went to Ohio State at 17, man. Last time I, I, I really seen seen you, I was like in first or second grade. You know what I'm saying? And then he said something about my mom, which I can't remember exactly what he said, but it maybe even matter because like I told you, she was letting me babysit some other woman's child that he had after he left her just so I could see him. So I knew what he said was a lie because my mom had never said anything bad about him. Um, and we still talked for a little bit, but it kind of faded. And then it was crazy. My sister still talked to him because, again, she was searching for that father figure, and I guess she didn't care how and what package it came. Um, and so she told him when I was getting married. And it was crazy because I, I hadn't talked to him in like three, four months. I was trying to find a way to get out of the relationship. And he contacted me, and we're talking, and I'm getting off the phone with him. He said, wait, 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 I got to give you my address. And I, I was like, your address for what? Just so I get an invite to the wedding. And I said it without thinking, and I didn't mean any mouse behind it, but I said, like, oh, it's for friends and family. Oh. And he, oh, man. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And we didn't talk for like six years after that. We just like recently talked because that same young lady that hit me up, I, I've been in contact with her mom and her, and they came out here. And I was hanging out with him and her and my wife, my aunt, Jackie, Farron's mom, they were like, oh, uh, somehow they got on him. And they're like, oh, you're still, you're hurt. You're still hurt about that. I was like, I'm not hurt. Said, Why don't you talk to him? Like the same reason I don't stop and talk to every person I don't know. Because I don't know them. You know what I mean? But I'm not hurt. I've moved on. I don't, I don't think about him. I didn't think about him for a while. And they kept saying, I was like, you know what? I'm going to call him. This is shut y'all up. Just to prove y'all wrong. And so I called him and it's cool. It's still like a RG conversation. And, and as you 
can probably tell from this conversation, I get pretty deep with anybody, with strangers. And with him, it's not like that. And so he would send me like a, a meme on a holiday. It was like a happy 4th of July meme or something. I'm like, it's the same to you, you know what I mean? And so uh, I still have no ill will towards him or anything like that, but I don't really think we're ever going to have any real relationship. Definitely not a father son relationship. I'm 40, 41 years old. You know what I mean? Uh, huh? I'm sorry, go ahead. My bad. Uh, and, and, and I'll talk to some people. Oh, my dad was in my life. And a couple other people, I was like, hey, man, I'm never going to tell anybody how to handle any situation. If you want to get to know uh, your biological father, by all means, do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have any, any, uh, what? I, I have no pop. I don't have any, uh, any right to tell somebody how they should or shouldn't feel. And so I say, go for it. If that's what you want to do, it's just not what I want to do. I'm a pretty, pretty busy guy. And so I don't have any reason to, to go back, but I don't, I don't have any ill will. Like some people like, Oh, you should, you should invite him to your wedding so you can show him how far you came without him. So that would be me holding, you know, that would be me being bitter yeah. or something, but I have no bitterness to him. So I don't really think about him. For the most part, you know, I thought about when I was writing the book because I had to go into that space to come up with some uh, stories and, and really to uh, to write that story. And that book, that part I was talking about, even the kid was waiting for him. He was going to that, and I did feel some type of way, I guess, from that. I I remember being that little kid fighting with my sister, going outside, sitting on my uh, uh, sitting on my suitcase, waiting for him. And then after he didn't come for like forty five minutes. I'm like crying with my head down and every car that goes by, I get hyped. It's like, that's him and look up and none of them was him. And so I, I remember that feeling, but I still don't think I was hurt by that. Uh, I mean, I was hurt then. I don't think I'm hurt by it now. I, and now it's just something that happened. And I push that, you know, there's always good and bad uh, uh, examples to do things. And I think, that probably would push me to be a, a better father and more there. Yeah. I guess I just got to. Hey, man, Vernon, that, that example, I mean, it just resonates with me. Like I said, my dad was there, but those times where he, he was, he didn't come on those weekends. That when you, when you, when you mentioned that, man, that really resonates because you push that aside. Like you, you forgive him. Like he never knew I was hurt by that. Like he yeah. never knew that those times he didn't come on those weekends while I was waiting on him. As a child, I can't say when I see him like that, man, that, that really, you know, pissed me off. So it, it was kind of like I couldn't really deal with it. I couldn't really yeah. address him with it. My mom saw that I was hurt. But, you know, it's just different degrees. You know what I mean? So what I do as a, a father now is, like, I, I make sure my child is never waiting on me. Like, I don't care if I'm picking her up from practice. I don't yeah. want them waiting at all. I never want them to come outside of anything and say, where's my daddy? And that's, yeah. and that's just based on those those small experiences dealing with, you know, him not picking me up on the weekend. Now, he 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 was probably with some chick. You know what I mean? It was, it was probably all types of dynamics that happened. Yeah. But he didn't come. And so I, I've always vowed to make sure I was there for my, for my children. Even if, you know, there was times, I don't know, Billy, if you remember, man, at Broadmoor where, you know, saying – you know, you had to get picked up from basketball practice, right, Bro from Brownmore. Mm -hmm. And it's like times when my dad was supposed to pick me up, but wires got crossed, 
he didn't come. I'm waiting on a ride. You know, so those small things kind of like shape you and make you want to be better for your children. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think I think you I think you're gonna you're gonna do that, man. And my only question would be, how are you gonna address like the the granddad with your children? Like, you know, how, how are you gonna address that situation? Well, it's crazy because like like I would say, me, and my pops or my stepdad was never really close when I was younger after they got married. Um and I had to grow up and recognize some of it was my fault and and develop the love and respect for him um, after that. So I called him Pops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could never never call him Dad before, except when I introduced somebody to him, like, this is my dad. You know what I mean? Um, and it was crazy because my, my wife's father and mother, too, man, they're that close-knit, strong family that you, you love from afar, but then when you Super with him sometimes. He's like, damn, they look too close at times, you know. <laughs> but he, I called him dad. You know, after a while, I called him dad. And I was like, man, you know, that's crazy to never be able to call uh, somebody dad until after you're like 35, 36 years old because it's been a couple of years. Uh, so to answer your question, I she has two grandfathers. You know, she has my stepdad, uh, who she called Pops or Papa, and then my, my wife's dad. And so, you know, people ask, I don't think I'll hide her uh, from him. And if I go to uh, Georgia, I'll take her to meet all her family. If he's there, you know, she could meet him. Um, not sure. Again, I don't care to hide him, care to hide her from her and say, oh, you can't meet her stuff. But we don't really have that type of relationship. Again, if I show you a text message, you'll see a couple memes <laughs> again on holidays and stuff. So I don't think it'll be much of an issue. But when I I will never have to have that talk, especially if I'm interacting with his other family, especially as she get older. So I'll definitely talk to her about it. And I'll just address it head on, man. I figure, you know, honesty is the best policy when she's old enough to understand. Right. Well, Vern, man, I want to, you know what I'm saying, thank you for joining the podcast once again. Thank you. My father down the street, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think I caught mine off of Amazon. I don't know if it's available on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Hey, funny, quick funny story, though. Hold that title up one more time, the book. So I had an illustrator. She's, like, from the East, uh, the Middle Middle East, Israel, something like that, anything. And so I was going back and forth with the title. She had, I was like, you know, I want to, first it was going to be, like, just a couple rows of houses. And she sent it back with a whole bunch of flat pink flowers, I mean, pink hearts. I'm like, nah, this is totally the different tone of the book. You know what I'm saying? I want the, the mission in action type photo. And it was just crazy. Uh, every time I look at it, I kind of laugh and I think about the first book that she sent me. Um, okay. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I mean, I can send you a link. Um, yeah, I, I it helps some kids, you know what I mean? And it's it, it's a it's a good story stuff. Off real happy and ends real happy, but you know, there's some real sprinkled in there. And I think a lot of people that a lot of kids that are going through the, those type of situations could, could, could really relate or identify with it. I dig it, man. If you want to drop your social medias, if you want people to contact you, or you know, what I'm saying, how, how can people catch sure. up with her? Uh, let me see. I, look, I just changed my name, a hacker got me on uh. So if you got a message, I'm glad you ain't blocked me. Some hackers got me early December. It was I saw that. Man, I saw that. So my name is Mr. Underset 
underscore mastery. So that's what I've been trying to last couple of years, man. Master my mindset. Um, Mr. Underscore mindset, underscore mastery on IG. Uh, I think just Vernon Evans on Facebook. That's it. That's all I got. Man, we appreciate you uh, sharing your story, Vern. I mean, when I was looking at your resume, you know, I, I thought this would be a discussion about, you know, being an author and some of the some of the legal stuff that you're into. And we definitely got into that. But I think far more pertinent was, you know, the discussion on fatherhood and, yeah. you know, some of the trials you've been through legally mm -hmm. and, you know, just some of the things you went through in your childhood. And shout out to you, Doug, and beat up for sharing you know, some of your experiences too. I think, I think we got a powerful yeah, episode. Oh, yeah. Hey, Vern, are you hit with, um, just real quick, uh, C Carol Dweck mindset, that book. Yeah. Carol Dweck, the mindset. No. Yeah. I, I, I would get that. That, that was a book that we, um, as educators, they, they had us read and it was a pretty good, Pretty good read. Um, Carol DeWick is D W. I'm sorry, D W E C K. D W E C K. The yeah, mindset. Called... You know, I think I I never read it, but I'm big on audio books. I'm I'm getting it right now. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's a pretty good read, man. It's not real long. Thank you. I appreciate it. Give me no something, doubt, man. We appreciate you, man, and. and like Blast said, just sharing your story is inspirational, and I think you, oh, I think that you. book is going to touch a lot of kids, man. Just you know, on different levels. You know, it may not be to the level of uh, to, to whatever degree it's going to impact people. So, congratulations on that, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I just really want them to read it and know that they can find positive role models outside the home, and no reason to feel bad if that's there's. But that's their situation. So yeah, show that, show that book again, he. Yes, sir. Y'all go pick that up. There yeah. it is. Um, my father down the street, written by Vernon Evans the second. Um, I'm how a much is that joint, man? Like twenty twenty five ninety nine, or how much is nah, that? Nah, it's like eleven bucks. I'm actually, I'm actually gonna try to give it to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some because, like I said, I, I feel like it's 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 a book that. A lot of kids relate to man. I'm seeing, you know, Doug had a similar story. Um, me, I, I didn't meet my biological dad until I was 33. Um, we don't got enough time left in the episode to 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 go over that story. But um, I thought the book was powerful, man. Um, and like I said, if I thought it was trash, I'd straight up tell you. But I'm gonna try to find, you know, what I'm saying uh, somebody that can that's relatable that can, you know, what I'm saying read this book and and put it in their hands and. Um, hey, I appreciate that. That's the only thing I want to do is uh, touch as many hands and minds of young people as possible. Just to let them know that they can do anything. Yeah. Sure. Man, if nobody else got anything, we're going to sign out this episode, man. Episode 74 with Vernon Evans. Peace, y'all. Appreciate you, Vern. Appreciate yes, you. Sir. Appreciate you, man. I 
the Socks podcast is presented by Hunter Smoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. Trademark copyrighted by Hunter Smoke Media Group.